The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involves varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Know the difference? One team, one plan, one fee. Welcome. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, your Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. And Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Thank you, Danny. Boy, it was just a normal Friday, and then all of a sudden, about what, one, two, three in the afternoon, it got a little crazy. It did get crazy because, of course, the story broke on Friday, at least out of the British press, that Russia was closer to invading Ukraine than anyone had expected. And therefore, the market reacted violently. And that, of course, came on the day before when the St. Louis Fed president, James Bullard, said that he would not be opposed to a 1% increase by the Federal Reserve. So a combination of those one-two punches certainly unroiled the markets. Well, he actually said a 1% increase in the Fed funds rate by July, which basically means a 50 basis point hike in March and two subsequent 25 basis point increases. So the bond market was all over the place. But on Friday, the bond market was all over the place, got as high as a 2.05 yield, but settled about 193 as a flight to safety ensued on the Ukraine rumors. Right. So the 10-year, you know, it's interesting what happened is the 10-year Treasury yield went down. And why that happens, folks, is because people run to safety. And one of the things that they buy are bonds, 10-year bonds. And of course, the U.S. bond is the safety trade around the world. And so all of that buying pressure presses down yields. And so you look at the 10-year Treasury and say, boy, oh boy, it just doesn't connect with the biggest news of the week, and that is a 40-year high on inflation. I know if you've been listening to the show, this is not a surprise to you. We've been talking about this for nearly six months, that we didn't think it was transitory, that it was more permanent, and that it was going to spike, and here it is. Right, and a lot of the green energy thing is contributing to that because oil prices were a big reason the CPI surprised on the upside. Uh, in addition to that, you know, when you think about where interest rates are in real terms, and it, with an inflation rate of 7 and a tenure of 1.95, that's a 5% negative real yield, which really does behoove you to buy things at risk assets and whatnot. But, you know, we're fleshing it out because really we've seen a regime change. There used to be the high growth names have been under pressure, but more value oriented companies that have earnings and have attractive cash flows are trading reasonably well. And so that what you just talked about is really an outlier. When you have inflation at such a high rate and the fact that the Federal Reserve is so behind the curve on controlling interest rates, something is going to to break. In other words, one of two things is likely going to happen. Number one, uh, inflation is going to retreat and come back down or bond rates are going to come back up and close that gap. It's likely that both of those things happen. Right. And we've seen also the, the, the flattening of the yield curve. And that's something you want to be watching, too, because if the yield curve inverts, that tends to suggest recessionary risks are rising. And that would require a real shift in some allocations within fixed income and equities. You know, we've always watched, we've talked about on this show, an inverted yield curve. In other words, short-term yields are higher than longer-term yields. Why that happens, of course, again, is a disconnect from the Federal Reserve. You know, all of this talk from James Bullard, the St. Louis president, may be 
what's called jawboning, and that's other words, telling the markets or trying to float a balloon to see how far they can go. Maybe this doesn't happen. I, again, you've been listening to the show. I've told you, Derek, I don't think they're going to be that aggressive. He may be jawboning while the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, is more of a consensus builder. And we've said for a long time on this show that this year we feel would be more about Main Street than Wall Street, meaning the Fed would probably be willing to see the stock market decline roughly 10% from its highs because that would have a a negative wealth effect. That would cause people to back off on consumption, which would relieve some of these inflationary pressures that are really starting to become a problem for the Biden administration. They may be getting their wish, obviously, with the Dow Jones down, the S&P 500 down, and, of course, the Nasdaq down nearly 3% on Friday. It is contracting, which in an ironic way is making the market cheaper as the earnings come in, and we're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. If a day like Friday or even last week or the last couple of weeks or the last six months have made you a little unsettled, how about putting your mind at ease with a great plan built by a fee-only fiduciary? We do it, investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, and we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. It's a complete plan that includes every single aspect of our team, from the tax planning team, from the estate planning team, from the retirement planning team, from the investment committee. We put them all to work, and we put them to work for you. You can do it on a week. You can head to our website. Our website is AnnexWealth.com. From there, just click that Get Started button. We want to put Wealth Metric in your hands, and we want to get you set for the rest of this year and through 2022 and beyond. Back in a bit on Money Talk, this is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? It's one team, one plan, one fee. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. A couple webinars to get on your calendar. Women in Wealth, Boost Your Social Security IQ, happens in early March on Tuesday, March 1st. Women in Wealth, Investigating Bonds, Corporates versus Munis, happens on April 5th. All the details at AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Events tab. Derek Felsky in our studio. He's Chief Investment Officer. Dave Spano is President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. We were talking about earnings season, and we are smack dab in the middle of it, and earnings are good. And the ironic part is with the market coming down and earnings coming in, price-to-earnings ratios are compressing. What does that mean, Derek? Well, it basically means the stock market is cheaper, particularly relative to the bond market. Uh, the other thing we've noticed with earnings is while companies have surprised, for example, the beginning of the month, the estimate was for 22% year-on-year growth. We're actually closer to 28. So that's a good thing. Uh, but, but the surprises haven't been as big as they have been in prior times. That's partly because of these supply chain bottlenecks, uh, the strength of the dollar, perhaps. And, and that's a little bit of a cause for concern. The other thing about earnings is that, you know, the forecast for next year, roughly 9% year-on-year growth. We believe those are probably low because as Omicron vanishes away and people shift from buying goods to doing something, whether it's traveling or 
going to the restaurants or whatever, shopping, the economy is going to have a reacceleration. So we're really in a mid-cycle situation. And with real rates negative, you don't typically see real rates negative at the end of a recession. You see that at the beginning of one. You know, that's really a lot of really good stuff in there. And of course, you talked about supply chain issues in there. And of course, we all have talked about ad nauseum to some extent what inflation looks like. But you can't go through this day and not talk about the ambassador bridge, the bridge coming from Canada into Detroit, and it is shut down in just exasperating the supply chain issue. Yeah, we really, when it rains, it pours. It seems like everywhere we turn, something is happening that's making it more and more difficult from the inflationary standpoint. You know, even the EV car revolution, there's a lot of pollution generated when we produce those batteries and those cars, and that's just raising the cost of oil even more because we're not drilling like we had in the past. And Derek, let me go back to talking about the Ambassador Bridge. With those trucks, they're coming into Detroit. Well, of course, Detroit is not getting the parts to complete the cars. You'll remember when we started talking about inflation, maybe six months to a year ago, we started to say semiconductors aren't getting into the cars. Therefore, car prices are going up. Therefore, used car prices are going up. We're back there because a lot of these manufacturers in Detroit are shutting down. Well, in that most recent CPI report, used car prices were up 40% year on year. In fact, you can actually sell a used car for more than a new one, provided you can get one. Exactly. You know, I really am slightly concerned about that because at some point there has to be a reversion to the mean. In other words, your used car value is going to go back to what the used car value should be. And those people who are overpaying are probably going to take it in the shorts then. And that is also another consideration too with the economy. You know, how much pull through demand have we seen? You know, if people know things are in short supply, a friend of mine has been stuck in the warehouse because he wasn't didn't know whether he'd be able to get windows in the future. So basically he's got a lot of inventory. Now, if the economy were to slow, that could be a problem because then he wouldn't be making any sorts of demands on on new goods, and that could cause a hiccup in growth in some point in 2022. So a lot of news for sure that's going to come out next week, and it's going to start for me, obviously what happens with Russia and Ukraine here, but it's going to start for me on Monday morning when the aforementioned James Bullard is on CNBC, and they're going to hit him with some tough questions about these increases that he's talking about. They certainly will, because some of the other Fed governors kind of backpedal those comments. And so, you know, one day you come in and read the headlines and you get real negative. The next day you come in and you get real positive. Then you get blindsided by Ukraine. So you really have to be in a position to take advantage of this kind of volatility. I mean, volatility is a good thing if you take advantage of it. You know, uh, I have to laugh. I ran into a friend of mine who used to be uh, an executive at a company, and he said, if one of these guys worked for me and was out there <laughs> or yapping in a way talking about what we're going to do, it would be a short day for that guy. Don't you think that's probably prearranged? You don't think they knew he was what he was going to say? They push him out there just to do that job on I do think there's something to in, that. In hockey, that'd be called the goon. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right. right. So I do think there's something to that. But of course, this now more than ever, folks, means that you need to go through your portfolio and understand what you own why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And if you're really good at something else, but maybe investment and retirement planning is not your thing, Dave says you need to go through it. How about getting somebody that can do that for you as a fee-only fiduciary? And the answer there is Annex Wealth Management. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, all of it as a fee-only fiduciary. That's a plan built for you and you alone. You can start at AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday the 13th. Going to be right back, 92.5 Fox News. 
The Week in Review, Know the Difference Minutes, team segments, planning topics, including investments, retirement, tax, and estate. It's all on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Head to YouTube and search Annex Wealth Management. We're back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, Annex Wealth Management with investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, and a lot of client education. And actually, Education for anybody. A couple of webinars that you might want to know about. First one is Women in Wealth on Tuesday, March 1st. So here we are sitting on the weekend. We're only a couple of weekends away from that. It's called Boost Your Social Security IQ. That is at 5 o'clock. You can sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Events tab. Another webinar, Women in Wealth Investigating Bonds, Corporates versus Munis. That happens on Tuesday the 5th. Again, 5 o'clock. Details at AnnexWealth.com. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management, in the studio. Thanks, Danny. You know, there's so many things going on around the world that certainly can cause some consternation. But you know, you think about what you do and what you do while you invest. And this idea of trying to time the market is a dangerous path to go down. Remember that when you try to time the market, you mean you're trying to get out before something happens, and then you want to try to get back in. So that means being right not once but twice. There are better paths to take when you want to play defense. And one of those is to go through your portfolio and making sure what you own should be in your portfolio. You look at through your portfolio and say, do I have companies that will do better in a tumultuous time like we may be running into? Will they do better if they increase their revenues? And that's really, at the end of the day, one of the things that you have to go through and say, what is my asset allocation and does it work for me? And that's really where we start, Danny. How often do people time the market? They did in 08, 09? They much? tried. They tried. But I can tell you, uh, I remember folks who jumped out in September of 08. And I remember they came back in 2010. They weren't our clients and said, this is what I've been doing. I've been sitting on the sideline for all of these years. You know, the market's already up 30 40%. And so they've missed it. And so, so and I'm not saying just for, set it and forget it. I'm saying as you go into a scenario where the thesis has changed, Make sure the investments that you have in your portfolio are aligned with your tolerance for risk. What is tolerance for risk? How much can it go up and down? And there's a way to get that done. If you go through this process and you understand how much fluctuation in your portfolio makes you nervous, that's a really nice place to start. You have to be right twice when you do it. Exactly. Once to get out and once to get back in. The other analogy I like is it's catching a falling knife. Catch, we got to wait for it to <laughs> fall, right? But there's also this third thing, and you've heard Derek say it before, is obviously when the bullets start flying is when you start to invest. But that takes a whole lot of guts to do that. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. We do it like this. One team, one plan, one fee. Most important part, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. That is the difference. We're going to be back in a little bit. In fact, stick around. Beyond Savings Bonds, How Grandparents Can Bless Grandchildren. We'll do that on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax investment and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. 
Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? At the core, Annex Wealth Management is about investment and retirement planning. But once a proper plan is in place, you got a path forward. And then the fun stuff happens, like the joy of being a grandparent. Talk about that as Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Deanne. Hey, Danny. So I'm not a grandparent yet. <laughs> I know. Uh, you definitely are. <laughs> but I tell you, and you know this, grandparenting, it's just different. It's like being an aunt or an uncle. You can stir them up and give them back, but it's it's deeper. You might want to bless them in certain ways through a well-crafted financial plan, and that's what we're going to talk about. Dan, if somebody wants to start out a grandchild on a, say, a path to higher education, I'm going to guess the 529 is usually where they start. Yeah, so grandparent or parent, and that I can relate to. So, yeah, these are state-sponsored education savings plans. They're called 529 plans. Each state has them, and they have built-in tax benefits, kind of like a Roth, but for education instead of retirement. So you put in after-tax money, and the earnings grow, and they're pulled out income tax-free if they're used for higher education qualified expenses. And it's fairly liberal what's a qualified expense. The law changed recently. Now you can make withdrawals for elementary through high school as well as college and beyond needs. At that college and beyond level, the funds can be used for tuition, room and board, fees, books, supplies, equipment. And using these funds for qualified expenses, remember, means no income taxes due on the earnings. Do you find or do you see that it's a lump sum contribution when the baby is born or do they do it throughout the years or a mix? I, I've seen people do a mix. This is an unusual year where you can actually bundle several years worth of deductions in a couple state plans and maximize the state income tax credit that you would get when you put into a plan. So that is worth looking into. Now, this is kind of old school, but have you seen clients open up something as simple as a savings account in a grandchild's name? Or, or is that like, that? that's my old generation? No, we still see that. However, there are a couple ways to do this. Opening up a savings in your own name, for example, like, let's say, and putting away with a purpose of assisting them at a later time for anything, car, house purchase, school. Doing it this way does not tie you to having to give it to the grandchild, however. And when you do, it would be considered a gift. So you would need to stay under the annual gifting limits or you just file that tax return. The other way to do it, if it's truly in the kiddo's name with the grandparent as the adult overseeing the child's money, you're actually establishing an UTMA, Unified Transfer to Minors, under the Unified Transfer to Minors Act. And remember, a person under majority age can't own their own financial assets outright. So you are kind of the caretaker of that money for them. Now, this money does become theirs at the age of majority if you set up that UTMA. And they can spend it then however they want. So there can be some considerations doing it this route if the grandchild is going to file a FAFSA for educational loans and grants as well. Consult a planner. Is that 18, age of majority? It depends on the state. Got it. I can't imagine an 18-year-old ever squandering money, but you know, <laughs> that's what the protection is for. How about just plain old financial gifts? Not like in the last year of my dad's life, he gave one of his grandchildren a car that he no longer drove, and the rest of his grandchildren got cash equivalents. Then we're talking about gift tax exclusions, things like that. Right. So for 2021, the annual gift tax exclusion is $15,000 per donor per recipient. So what that means is anyone can literally gift anyone up to $15,000 in assets a year free of federal gift taxes. Any value above that, and you file the form with your taxes accounting for your gift toward your lifetime exemption, but most likely no tax will be due. That exemption's really high. Deanne Phillips is Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management.
I remember growing up and knowing trust fund kids. Um, I wasn't <laughs> one, but I definitely yeah. knew trust fund kids. One thing grandparents need to avoid, I think everybody's going to agree on this, is overspending. Mm-hmm. A good thing is great. Too much of a good thing is not. Yeah, you know, we always say, always put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And that means making sure that your retirement dollars are sufficient and your financial plan works well for you before you start aggressively gifting. When it gets down to it, many are going to suggest that grandparents spend on experiences over things. You, you take them to the Grand Canyon, you teach them how to fish, you show them how to sail, you know, things like that. That's more important, isn't it? It really, it it is. And this goes back to the individual values of each person. So as a planner, I often hear from grandparents, they want to take their kids to Disney or on a trip for a special birthday. And we build that into the financial plan. You're right, Danny. These are indeed great memories and a terrific way to have what we call a living legacy. So spending some future inheritance while living on these great memories with family. Sure, so much better. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development at CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. You finally reached your savings goal, but how much will you really spend in retirement? Basic question, but more than one-third of retirees underestimated their spending. And you know taxes will impact what you've set aside. You're smart enough to know you don't have all the answers. You're also smart enough to know where to get help. It's time to put things in order with a fee-only fiduciary. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. One team, one plan, one fee. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We recently had an Ask Annex question about a number of terms you'll hear in the investment world. And we got back to him, but it occurred that a quick course on some of the terms might be beneficial for everybody. Who better to take us through that school than Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome, Todd. Thank you. Todd, you're well-equipped for this segment. You taught graduate and undergraduate courses in investments, advanced investments, and international finance courses for over 20 years at a large university. You have a PhD in economics with concentrations in financial and international economics, along with a Master of Economics and a BA in economics. Did you have any fun in college at all? Well, you know, I wanted to clarify something. I worked through all that. I lived across the street from the university. Odds of tripping you up on some of these terms are incredibly low. The first term we'd like to define is one that's in the news often when there's volatility, and that is correction. Correction, you know, you have to keep in mind that it depends on who's doing the defining, but it's generally accepted that a correction or a drop in the market is 10% or more in the index level. That's somewhat related to a bear market. Bear markets are markets that fall 20% or more. Again, keep in mind the feel of the market and the dynamic of the market can be something completely different where you can have a 30% drop in the markets, basically like a correction. But a correction is normal. We see them often? Absolutely. Corrections you'd see a couple times a year. And I'm glad you actually said that's normal. In the context of today's environment with the market, it's not corrections we worry about. That's just a normal part of the dynamic of the market. It's bear markets you got to worry about. The prospect of a market trending down 20% or more. What have you done to prepare for it? What are you doing to take certain action? Corrections, they come and go. Everybody's heard the term recession. Most of us have seen a number of them. What's the definition of a recession? Two consecutive quarters of negative 
GDP growth or negative economic growth. That's the formal definition of a recession. Again, there's the more the look and the feel of it. You have growth, you know, recessions and things that are going on that might not by definition be a recession, but it feels like a recession. For example, today, you know, real wage rates, they're not keeping up with inflation rates. So people aren't feeling too good about higher gas prices and food prices, yet wages are going up 4%. Well, inflation's going up 7 <laughs> So it doesn't feel like a real growth environment. Conversely, you have recessions that they may by definition not be recessions, but they feel like recessions. Even though the last one was a long time ago, the term depression casts a long and scary shadow over most of investment talk. Right. And so that the last time that topic came up was probably 2008, the dark days of 2008 and, and a significant decline in economic growth. And economic growth, it's similar to like we're talking about recession and bear market, recession and depression. Depressions are just deeper swells in economic growth than a recession. But the last official one was what, in the 30s, right? Yeah, in the 1930s. Todd Voigt, chief investment strategist at Annex Wealth Management, walking us through some of the often used terms that you're going to encounter. Often during our weekly recap of the markets, Dave and Derek will mention growth and value stocks. What are growth stocks? Growth stocks are traditionally, uh, and this has been around for a long time, high earnings growth, high sales growth type companies, high returns on equity, the shareholders, that type of thing. But think of it as high sales or earnings growth companies. Value stocks are those that might be cheap based based on some valuation metric. A simpler way to think of it, value stocks are those that pay really good dividend yields. And dividend yields is an indication of value, but there are other metrics used to determine value. Earnings season is quarterly with a number of different data points. Are there key terms in these reports we should look at like earnings or earnings per share revenue? Uh, Absolutely. And earnings season is a time, for example, where you go through that in mid to late, say mid-January to mid-February for the fourth quarter of the previous year. You get into April, you get into July, you get into October. Those are earnings season periods where companies are reporting the previous quarter's earnings results on publicly traded companies. The earnings numbers is actually pretty simple to arrive at. It's sales minus cost is earnings. So how does company increase earnings? They can increase sales, they can reduce costs, or they can do both. Earnings per share is simply the amount of earnings on a financial statement divided by a number of shares outstanding. I want to make an important point about that. Because this ties in with the valuation of the company. And is a stock expensive or cheap? You don't look at a company and say, this company's share price is $100. The other one is $60. Therefore, the $100 stock is more expensive. It's just expensive in the share price, but not in valuation. So PE, for example, price per share divided by earnings per share, per shares cancel. And you have a number, 14, 20. If it was my sister who knows absolutely nothing about that, market, I would explain, just look at the P.E. ratio as a valuation measure, and it's just an absolute number. It can range from, let's say, 14 to 20, like the market. 14 is low, 20 is high, therefore higher than 20, market's expensive. Lower than 14, market is cheap. Same thing with an individual stock. We're running a little short on time. I had asked you about shorting and I asked you about options. Maybe we'll do that for another segment if you can come back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary, know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. 
This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday the 13th. Quick break. We're going to be right back on 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back. Time for Ask Annex. That is where we open up the mailbag at AnnexWealth.com. All you have to do is find that Ask button. We get back to everybody. Some of them wind up on the radio and some do not, but here are a couple. In fact, I'm joined by Randy Winkler, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Thanks, Danny. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, also a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Hi. Had you guys in mind for this segment. We've got a couple of questions and they're sort of on the same path, a little bit different. So let's go through them. One is on the fire movement Mm -hmm. and the other is about life after retirement and they sort of work together. First question is from Todd. He says, my son is fired up about the fire movement. I'm not. Any opinion? First off, an explanation. I like how he said he's fired up about the FIRE movement. FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early and basically it's being a massive saver at a young age, developing multiple streams of income, investing your money wisely, and then retiring very, very young. Big thing. A couple of years ago, still got ahead of steam? Yeah, it's there's a lot on talk online. There's a lot of famous bloggers that talk about their experiences getting there and then beyond once they've gotten there. Deanne, any experience with this? Yeah, I, I actually do. I have clients that will call me and they're in that millennial range. And they're definitely, even if they don't know it, fire followers, they save a lot. And, and a lot can be roughly 50% of your take-home pay, and they invest it in appreciating securities, but they also want that flexibility of different types of income. So they're the ones who will say, I may have this higher-paying job in technology or finance, and I want to have rental real estate, and I want to start an LLC on the side. So there are these multiple streams. Yeah, it's very ambitious. I really admire people that go down that path and explore it, because it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of thought, a lot of work, probably need a team working with you. Are you sacrificing life? Well, you're hoping to accelerate the work time by consolidating it, right? And just really getting it done so that then you can kind of breathe and retire much earlier than what Social Security says is your full retirement age. Are these Henrys? And Henrys are what? High earners, not rich yet. They're working on the get rich quick, but methodically with thought. There's a big difference between making 150000 and saving sixty, or making 60000 and saving 30000 right. These are higher income earners. Yes, I think in many cases they are sacrificing some life right now. I've heard of people living over their parents' garage, driving an old car, riding the bus. People have made some unwise decisions there too, not taking into account taxation and some other things that they need to factor in. But uh, it's an ambitious approach. And you know what's the saying? You know, if you shoot for the stars and only hit the moon, you did pretty good. We talked about this recently. Does the four percent rule have anything to do with this? It does, and it's actually one of my concerns that I have with the fire movement. The four percent rule basically says if you've got a thirty-year retirement and a 60-40 stock bond portfolio mix. Never in history have you ran out of money if you were through 4%. So it's considered a safe withdrawal rate. But if you start extending your retirement to 40, 50, 60 years, the rule doesn't work anymore. 
Next question is from Sharon and sort of ties in. Why isn't more written about life after work during retirement? I have friends who say they became bored. Sharon, I love this question because you're absolutely right. There should be more written. There are some books about discordant retirement, meaning when one spouse retires ahead of the other, kind of dips their toe in the water to explore. Uh, There are books like How to Survive Your Husband's Retirement, for example. But really... To the point of your question, there's not a lot written, but Annex does podcasts just on this. We identify and realize that who you are, who you're going to be, where you're going to do it, and how that impacts your financial plan is all so important. You can go to AnnexWealth.com and check out our podcasts on moving in retirement. We discuss just that. Who am I going to be? What I've seen is when people are moving away from something, they're getting away from a job they don't like or a career they don't like or living someplace they don't like, it's generally not as successful retirement is if they're moving towards something. They want to spend time on their hobbies, travel, spend time with their grandchildren. So it's kind of the direction you're looking with retirement. Are you looking forward or you're looking back? And you know, all of those things you pointed to, Randy, can be built into the financial plan, you know, in retirement as lifestyle. Once we have the, this is the main expenses I have to have bucket, and we know where the sources of income are coming from for your retirement replacement paycheck. Then we build out like, oh, I want X amount of dollars for travel, or I'm going to take the grandkids to Disney, or the fun things that give you something to look forward to and engage you in retirement. It's one of my favorite things to talk to a client about as a wealth manager, especially for somebody who's coming in and just giving us a test drive. They think we're going to be talking about one thing and we're talking about what they really care about and they're interested. And a lot of times they become very engaged. They didn't expect that to happen. And like, wow, you're talking about what I want to talk about. It's not about having that pile of money. It's about understanding what you're going to do with it, the impact you'll make, the legacy you'll not only leave after you're gone, but how you're going to impact the world around you while you're alive with it. Exactly. And the conversation really needs to start in the planning process, right? You don't want to get into retirement, then all of a sudden look at each other with daggers. Right. right. You you just don't want that. For investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. If we can help, head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start on the wealth metric process. If you'd like to be part of Ask Annex, we would love to hear from you. Just head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com and look for the Ask button. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? Joining me is Brandon Lehman, a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Danny. Uh, You work with a wide variety of clients, but some tend to be executives and business owners, and they can have specialized needs. So let's talk about four key discussion points and what our Annex Executive Program can do for these individuals. And the first off is stock options and the need for a strategy. Stock options are a fairly common component in high-level executive compensation. Is that right? That is correct, yeah. A lot of individuals you encounter that work in the executive space are given the opportunity to buy stock through a stock option plan. And one of the things we've ran into a lot over our time working with these individuals is they never develop a true strategy for it. They tend to maybe wait till expiration and just kind of okay, then we should exercise. And there's a lot more to it. So we like to sit down and maybe develop a strategy that's based on more than just what the stock is, but the volatility maybe of that firm. We look at their tax plan, but most importantly, we look at their financial plan. How does all of this impact them? 
in their future goals because sometimes it makes more sense to do it earlier than anticipated. Sometimes it does make more sense to do it right at the end. But every individual is different and every situation is different. So we really need to spend time getting to know that situation and do what's best for them because, again, everyone is completely different. Great stock option is lower than the actual price of the stock, right? That's the deal. So the goal is when they they give you it, you want to have an increase in the value of that stock. So, you know, they give it to you at 10 and now it's up to 20. That's a great opportunity for you. Now there's tax implications and you can't get away from that, but we can work through that and we can plan for it. And that's the key is you have to have a plan. Annex Executive provides guidance for net unrealized appreciation. And this is important, you told me, because it could be a unique one-time planning opportunity. That sounds complex. Net unrealized appreciation, or NUA as we call it in the industry, is a great opportunity for an individual who owns a lot of their company stock inside of 401k. And people don't really think about that. It's not offered all the time, but at some firms, that is an opportunity. You can buy your firm stock inside your 401k. Now, what the IRS allows is you can move that outside of your 401k and take advantage of the tax situation there and move that to a bucket where you can realize it at long-term capital gains. And why is this important? Because when you retire, you hit that valley. All of a sudden, the income's down, the taxes are down, and we want to create a situation where we can start maybe doing Roth conversions, and this plays into it. The other key aspect of getting it out of the 401k and moving it into maybe a joint account is now at 72, you have reduced what you need to take out for RMDs or required minimum distributions. And again, that can be a pain point for a lot of individuals, depending on the size of that stock position. So, But it depends on the situation. That is key. Brandon Lehman is a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, joining us to talk about our Annex Executive Program and how it can help business owners and executives. Let's talk about tax preparation. We're not talking just about getting the returns done on April 15th. This is year-round stuff. Yeah, when you think about taxes, you think about compliance, reactive planning. Sometimes individuals, especially small business owners, executives, doctors, high income earners need to understand that the tax picture and planning is a year-round process. There's a lot of different components that come in, and that's why here at Annex and our tax team, we build out the individual tax plan all year long. We look at multiple things, not just last year's tax return, but we look at your pay stubs. We look at, again, when we talk about executives and compensation planning, we look at what type of income do you have this year from bonuses to those different types of situations, and we build that out. So all year long, you understand what next April potentially could look like. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to give you a direction and give us the opportunity to plan and proactively plan around your unique tax situation. The Annex Executive Program can certainly help when there are questions about deferred comp, deferred compensation. Well, deferred compensation, it's a great benefit for individuals, but understanding how it can work is very important. You think about how deferred compensation is set up, and really nobody understands it, but what the company is doing is they are passing the risk on to you. That's why they can offer such a benefit. So we like to sit down with each individual and say, does this make sense for you now? Can you utilize it and you live in a place where there is no tax laws, but you decide to move to a place where there is future tax laws? You need to understand how that is going to impact your deferred compensation payouts in the future. Business executives, business owners, put the Annex executive team to work to handle your unique financial planning needs. Brandon heads the effort at Annex, ready to roll up his sleeves for you. Brandon Lehman, CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, part of our Annex executive program. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny. It starts with a call. 
With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. A little bit later in the show, uh, leaving money to minors. What's the best way? Now, earlier we had a piece called Beyond Savings Bonds, How Grandparents Can Bless Grandchildren. That's for the little ones. But when kids are older, when they're still minors, there are right and there are wrong ways. I'm Danny Clayton, Dave Spano, our president and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. I didn't know many trust fund kids, but I knew a few. Yeah, yeah. well, they, you know, they were out there, of course, and that is a different way to grow up. I have to tell you, I, I talked to a lot of people. And in fact, funny story, I was at Seed to Table the other day, and people come from all over the place to go to, to go to Seed to Table. Uh, you know, and I was talking, you know, from Fort Myers to Marco, all the way, and all the way, some people were about a half an hour out as well, and they came to go to this grocery store. Worth but the drive. With, worth the drive, but we go through that, and we, and we get a chance to talk to people, and it's from all walks of life, and that's really what uh, it's become down here, is, you know, people from all over the place, all the way from trust fund babies, all the way to those of us who are, are working at it Well, when you've built a business, and I, I love that joke, which says, listen, you can't hurt me, I held a flag flashlight for my dad. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. And that's the kind of kid you were, right? Yeah, you were course. growing up, you yeah. were always kind of working, right? Of course, and still am. And you know, you got to love it. You know, and really that's the thing about this industry is you have to want to help people's lives. You know, if you're doing it just for the assets under management and the fee, it's not going to work. People, you want to try to improve lives. And when you improve a life, and that means wealth management, that means making sure their plan is on track, that they feel good about uh, where they're going and they can weather the storm, if you will, uh, in environments like we have right now. If you make sure their estate plan is in place, that if something happens to them, that their family is taken care of. And that's what we hear a lot when we have couples sitting down together. And lastly, obviously, the tax man's always at our door. Did we do something to reduce your tax bill? And those are the type of ways that we can improve lives and make people feel better about where they are. I've heard story after story of our wealth managers describing a couple in a in a meeting. Maybe it's our first or second when we really start to build the plan. And they usually say that there's a moment. I know you've seen this. There's a moment when they just physically relax. It is funny, though. It is you've funny. You've seen it. Okay. Well, but it's funny because, you know, sometimes they come in and both their arms are crossed. And they're like, what's this <laughs> yeah. snake oil salesman trying to tell me? Right? And I can see that because so many uh, in the financial services industry, air quotes here uh, on the radio, uh, are out just to sell products. You know, they come in and they say, you know, we're going to do all this good things. And then they slide over the annuity application. Mm. And that was the whole plan all along. So really improving lives and helping people key term fee only fiduciary make sure if you're working with somebody they can say that they are a fee only fiduciary here's how we do it it's one team one plan one fee for investment and retirement planning tax planning and estate planning and again as dave says as a fee only fiduciary not selling a thing back in a bit money talk the annex wealth management show 92.5 fox news you finally reached your savings goal but how much will you really spend in retirement basic question, but more than one-third of retirees underestimated their spending. And you know taxes will impact what you've set aside. You're smart enough to know you don't have all the answers. You're also smart enough to know where to get help. It's time to put things in order with a fee-only fiduciary. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. 
One team, one plan, one fee. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference at Annex Wealth Management? Jill Martin is the estate planning attorney here, and she works with clients on a wide array of matters, including what we're going to talk about today. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. Leaving money to minors. Now, I'm thinking trust fund babies. I think that's the first phrase that comes to mind, and I've known some, and they've been A, insufferable, and B, it hasn't gone well. Well, it depends on A, the dollar amount, but trust funds are generally actually a pretty good idea. And I think today we'll talk about what are some of the alternatives and maybe you might get turned around that the trust fund might be the better of the four. Okay. The typical arrangement, right? Spouses would leave money to the other spouse in the event that one of them died, right? That's a the beneficiary, that's, the that's primary? That's a pretty typical estate plan where, okay. you know, married couple leaves everything to each other, and then when the second of them passes, it passes on to the kids. But it doesn't always work that way, right? If something tragic happened, but then there's plenty of single parents too. Correct. And so it's important to think about if something happened to you and you were the sole parent that was alive, whether it's because a spouse predeceased or passed away at a very young age, or there's a divorce and and they're just not in the picture anymore, those types of things, it's important for people to think about. So I was reading up about this and I came across the phrase property management, and that seemed really clinical, like it was a series of buildings or something. (laughs) What do you think about that? When you leave something to someone who's under 18, somebody needs to manage it, whether it's they get left a house, somebody needs to take care of that house for those children, somebody needs to manage finances or a bank account for those kids. That's what I guess property management would be. So to properly pass money to kids, is this set up via a will or is this a trust? It can be both or it can be none of the above. What happens is we work with a lot of clients who they use beneficiary designation. Maybe they say, I leave my IRA to my spouse and in the event that my spouse passes away before I do, I leave it to my kids. That's a very typical kind of estate plan and beneficiary designation form. The issue there becomes if all of a sudden both spouses have passed away and those kids are minors, they're going to inherit that IRA as minors. And so then all of a sudden they've got IRAs that they need to deal with and and we have to figure out what to do with them. I saw the phrase court-appointed guardians. If you have minor children and you normally in a will would list who would be the guardian of those children in the event that you passed away and they're still minors. What that looks like is is there's two types of guardianship. There's guardian of the person. Who are they going to live with? Who's going to take them to school and coordinate, you know, the vacations and all of those types of things. But then there's also a guardian of the estate, and that's the person who manages the property. So normally in a will, you appoint someone to be that person. They can be the same. They don't have to be different, but you're picking who that's going to be. In the absence of a will, likely what's going to happen, an interested family member is going to come forward and ask to be appointed by the court. It is going to be someone that is known to the family that the court is going to basically pass judgment on and say that this is the appropriate person. Talking to Jill Martin about passing money to kids, many different ways, many different situations. Let's talk about something called the UTMA, the U-T-M-A. What does that stand for? So U-T-M-A is a lovely acronym in our legal world. The Uniform Transfers to Minors Act. That allows you to transfer property in a little bit more efficient way than having this full guardianship of the estate that comes into play. Because the guardianship of the estate has annual court filings, and the guardian is going to have to go to court and get permission to make distributions for the benefit of that minor. And guardianships terminate when that child turns 18. UTMAs are a statutory creation that basically allows someone to create an account 
where they name someone as a custodian to take care of that money for the minor. The difference with the UPMA account is it extends it out to 21. But it also doesn't have the court supervision over it. So that custodian who's who's taking care of those funds can use those funds for the minor without having to get court approval to do everything. So UTMA, to me, sounds cleaner, better? Uh, depends on your facts and circumstances is my answer in my legal world, okay. right? The difference is, is the guardianship is very, very supervised so that the court is going to ensure those funds are used for the benefit of that minor. The UTMA account doesn't have the court involvement. So if you pick a custodian who's not real great with money, they could start potentially siphoning that money off for themselves rather than for the minor. So there's some pros and cons with both of them that depends on who it is that you trust to be that person. But generally, the UTMA is going to be less invasive from a, an administrative standpoint. So no matter what, when the, when the person, the kid, turns 21, they get it all? That is going to be their account going forward. Okay. And so what happens is, is, you know, like at Annex, we have UTMA accounts for clients where maybe a grandparent set it up for a child. And so what happens is, is legally that child becomes the owner of that account when they're 21. And therefore, they have full control over that account. Could that be a disaster? 18, 21, 40? Right. I don't know. Yes. I mean, right. <laughs> depending on what's going on with your facts and circumstances, any age could be detrimental. But a lot of people tend to think that 18 and 21 might be a little young for people to inherit money. My research has shown, yes, that is the case. So can you do it where somebody would inherit the money at 30 or, or later? Or? Yeah. So that's where you can use trusts instead of leaving money just to the minor outright, which creates the guardianship or into an UTMA account. People will use trusts as part of their estate plan. So you can do this under the will or under a revocable trust that you use. But basically, instead of leaving it to my son, Bob, I'm leaving it in trust for my son, Bob. And what that does is that creates a trustee who's going to be responsible for that property management, making distributions. But you get to customize the terms and conditions that Bob gets to make distributions for and the age at which that trust would terminate, if at all. It sounds complicated, and it sounds like something definitely people need professional help on. Jill, that's what you do for our clients. Absolutely. Jill Martin, an estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? One team, one plan, one fee. Real quick, our third episode of Moving in Retirement now sits on our website at AnnexWealth.com. If you're thinking about dual places, there's lots of things you need to keep in mind. We can help you plan through it, but we've got a very handy video series, again, at AnnexWealth.com. I'm Danny Clayton, Dirk Felsky, your Chief Investment Officer in the studio. Dave Spano is President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You know, I was going through the show today, and uh, as we do this, we do. I think about 
if you were listening, what you would take away from this. And one of those would be, what should you do going forward? You know, there's obviously a change in thesis here with interest rates going up, with the Fed changing policy from accommodation. And there are places to invest and there are sectors to invest in. And I just want to cover a couple of those terms. One is value and one is growth. Right. And and recently, as I mentioned earlier in the program, you know, the value stocks, those that trade on a value factor have actually been performing extremely well. For example, on Friday, the small cap ETF was flat on the day, on a day the Dow was down 2% and the NASDAQ was down 3%. And as I said many times, the weakness in small caps was masked by the strength of the mega cap stocks in the S&P 500. So investors are starting to rotate to that area. Another area is within the bond market. If you have a lot of interest rate risk, you could get clobbered. You'll be picking pennies up in front of a steamroller. Sometimes cash is a better alternative. And what some people could do is say, you know, instead of buying bonds, you could sit in a lot of cash by dividend paying stocks, which generate you a similar level of income, but give you the opportunity to participate on the upside. But, but you have to hold those for the long term. You have to know that it's, if a cash holding and that was a short term idea, then you're going to lose that because you're going to buy equities for the longer term. Well, and the and the the, the uh, dividends are, are tax advantage. That's right. one of the beauties of owning dividend stocks for the long haul. That's where about half the return from stocks has come since 1929. Yep, 50% has come from dividends. The other term that I want to cover is called GARP. And, you know, a lot of folks who listen to the show know that used to be a mutual fund manager several decades ago. But uh, GARP is a term that is out there. It doesn't mean that you only have to be in value. Please tell us what GARP is. Well, it's growth at a reasonable price. So one way you can analyze a company is you can look at the, the multiple that it's traded at relative to its own history and relative to its sector. And you want to find companies that have improving margins, reasonable valuations relative to their own history, and a catalyst for a higher valuation down the road. And the things that are getting spanked are those that were, were beneficiaries of all of the free money. And the free money that was out there were SPACs and crypto. And I know I'm throwing a lot of terms around, but we're going to explain them. Well, we called it speculation, if you remember. I mean, because essentially these were blank check companies that were being valued as if they were ongoing businesses. So they basically would acquire a company and then essentially they would dilute the shareholders. So it's really kind of a scam. I'm amazed the SEC really hasn't uh, been all over that. But, but all, all that stuff is symptomatic of a lot of liquidity sloshing around in the system, whether it's crypto, SPACs, companies that traded 20 times revenues and may or may not survive, and all the zombie companies that have been kept alive because interest rates have been unnaturally low and allowed them to survive. And why this is all important as this thesis changes is if you own a company that increases its revenues, whatever it is, and then, of course, increase their net income or their profit, and you can put a reasonable multiple on it, it belongs in your portfolio if you have the duration to hold that. You talked a little bit about duration. We have about a minute left. Talk about duration, not only for bonds, but for equities. Well, it's a, it's a similar concept. When you buy a high growth company, most of the earnings are going to be way out in the future. So when you discount those back using a higher interest rate, the value of that company is going to come down much quicker than the value of a company like a, a grocery store company that earns money on a consistent basis. And of course, you can play defense here or you can play offense. I know that on Friday afternoon, a lot of these chip companies were down significant, some of them 10%. And you were taking a look 
at them because they were coming up in your screener. And it means that if chip companies, semiconductors, in other words, come available, that there's going to be pressure to buy those things. They may have, they may be on your radar list. Well, well a leading a leading uh, wafer manufacturer came out during the earnings call this week and said they're sold out through 2026. That's Think crazy. of that. No, so that's if, if that's the case, a lot of semi-capital equipment is going to be purchased, and there are any number of companies that are in that space that are reasonably valued by our quantitative screens. And, you know, folks, we do this every single day. People come into all of our branches, and we go through the same process. And that process is, let us take a look at what you have and make sure your tolerance for risk is matched up with your current portfolio. And over this bull run that we've had, maybe it's gotten away. Go through that process, and we will give you two deliverables. One is the framework for a financial plan. Are you on track to retire when you want? And if you are retired, that your money will last. And secondarily, is your portfolio aligned with that? Those two deliverables, when we go through that and give that to you, you can make a determination if working with a fee-only fiduciary is in your best interest. We call it wealth metric. It is fantastic. We want to get it in your hands. Investment retirement planning can be very, very complex. Lots of moving pieces. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, you want a second set of eyes. Maybe whoever you're working with, uh, just not feeling it. Maybe you inherited that from somebody else. How about tax planning? How about estate planning? Annex Wealth Management does it all as a fee-only fiduciary. We can do it for you. AnnexWealth.com and click that Get Started button. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.